What do we have here? A special Friday afternoon stream. You guys have been hanging with the Badge Bros and the Deposit Kingdom Discord. You've been watching their streams. And I said, hey, let's do one on my channel. Let's chop it up. I need to get in these underdog streets here. We're going to talk about Week 11 Battle Royale. We're going to talk a little bit about playoff contests and introduce those of you who have not experienced yet the Badge Bros. Let's do it. And let's dust off my old best ball intro. Oh, another influencer 101 for the backward hats, bro. Rig! Zach Ertz with no Tyler Algier bring back? Yikes! You reached a round for correlation? That's a no-no. You ADP bros disgust me. How about you just live a little? Handcuffing might actually be a way to get unique if the field's avoiding it. The Wi-Fi at this resort is a disaster? These fucking streamers don't have player takes. What if a piss boy draft is the room you need? Oh! Ah, uh, ah, uh, It's the Badge Bros, John, Numi, Nez. How are we doing, guys? Doing great, doing? man. It's great, great to be on here. A little like foreshadowing in that, uh, in that hype video with the with the handcuffing. I mean, what if the Deontay Foreman CMC drafts are are what you needed? Yeah, I mean, is it, but that's like that's unwitting handcuffing, right? Like you, you didn't yeah. go into that with the intention. You you lucked out with a with a nut out there, I guess. <laughs> We're all we're all we're all just hoping to get lucky, like John. John, no one no one runs no one runs pure than than John in in these that, rooms. That that inf that influencer one hundred and one slapped hard. I was like, oh yeah, I get it now. I got it now. I I understand. <laughs> Look at this. Uh, so for those of you guys who aren't familiar, you've heard me reference uh, the Badge Bros on shows, and if you're in the Deposit Kingdom, you've seen their new channel. Uh, these guys have been doing daily streams over. Look at this guy. Got his Deposit Kingdom mug. Um, been doing daily streams over on their channel. I got the links all down below, but I wanted to do, I felt like we need to do like a proper kickoff stream. I've been on your guys' show. You guys haven't been on my channel yet. And uh, truthfully, I've been like legit jealous of how much time you guys are able to devote to these underdog contests because I'm a masochist that overcommitted to like DFS content. And I'm sitting over here looking over his shoulder being like, I wish I was just playing underdog all day like you guys. <laughs> Next, next year, man, you can switch up the schedule. I will say uh, it was funny this morning you guys were talking about I didn't tell John that uh, you guys were talking about Badge Bro stuff because I didn't want him to clip another uh, another mention of it. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, you guys were talking about the uh, about how much time we have. And, yeah, it's just uh, – yeah, it's, it's just the way that, that things worked out. But it's been it's been a ton of fun just just going hard in this and, uh, and, and chopping up with everybody and just seeing these contests grow. Uh, is is really cool and hoping you know that we can continue to see some more growth moving forward in in these as well. But uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. Here's a question for you guys, because like for me with you know I I could blast off on the football ones. Like I feel like I'm up on football news and stuff. I could get it in good most drafts. But you guys are doing all of the sports, and I know there's like transferable things as far as like tournament strategy and game theory that are applicable. But like how much in general do you feel like you need to be super in the weeds? on NBA day-to-day -day stuff or when you guys were doing MLB or whatever? Because to me, it sounds overwhelming, but like, do you guys have a process for it? Like how much time investment is actually needed to be great at each one of these individual sports? I'm, I'm hell-bent. I am hell-bent on proving that you do not need basketball knowledge to win basketball. And I'm going to prove that shit to everybody. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the case study exhibit <laughs> A that the fake-ass hoops guy is going to come in here and just start scooping. Um, I, I think there's a lot to be said that uh, there was a cool quote in our chat the other day that everybody's allotted 30 seconds. 
everyone has the same 30 seconds to work within. So as much as everybody's up on the news and has projections and, and all that sort of stuff, when you're on the clock, when you're faced with those decisions, can you build strong, structurally sound, correlated lineups that give you an out at the top prize time and time again? Um, I think that's most important and most applicable in football. I think it would be next in baseball. I, I'm slowly learning that NBA is a bit of a, it's a bit of a, you need to really be up on the last minute news kind of stuff like that. But I think just like in general, to answer your question, I think there's a lot of macro level stuff that we can implement that works across all of it. And then the player takes and the player news is almost a secondary additive. Yeah, I don't think you can come into the NBA streets completely blind and expect mm-hmm. to like profit. You definitely need to know like what are good matchups, like who's who are who is in a good spot and who isn't. But with big NBA slates, like anybody can definitely ship those. But I will say like with NBA and and, and uh, baseball as well, there are a lot of names that you'll see at the top like every single slate. Um, like like basketball, like T box is up there like all the time. Rorschach is up there all the time, um, and. And, and another like popular red badge names, like they are always up in like the top 10. It's actually like pretty impressive. Uh, and, and MLB is a pretty similar way too. We saw, we had our, our arch nemesis in baseball. His name was just Brett. He's up there a lot. So there's definitely like, like the, it, it's really sharp in those rooms. Whereas football, because it's so, you know, the small, the sample size is so much smaller, so much more variance. It's, it's not so much as like the same cast of characters over and over, unless it's uh knew me and and john and the and the and the big money slates yeah for me it's just with i think nba you definitely need to know a little bit of background knowledge and just maybe know how basically the teams work just a little bit and how i just just you need to know a little bit of background knowledge otherwise you can just kind of go in there with projections and just kind of load them in there and draft i would say the easier sports like um for for like just anyone hopping in would be mlb and nhl because you can get different how I like you can get different off those top names and being an event-based sport, like the projections mean nothing. You know what I mean? Like a projection of Mm 12.7 in baseball is a figment. Like no one's ever going to get 0.7. There's no way to do it. (laughs) So you can really exploit those sports. Whereas you come into NBA and you're not going to be more, you're not going to be bypassing the top first two rounds. Whereas you could hypothetically go into a MLB draft and be like, you know what? I'm just going to draft these two teams skip the quote-unquote best plays and you can easily you'll have you i mean you have a uh, good enough chance as anyone else if they're just going in there drafting off rankings so it definitely matters a little bit sport i'd say nba is just a little little tough where it's just yeah the the breaking news nonstop, whether it be someone is now questionable or someone is now healthy who was just questionable the night before type things like minutes before the slate hours that stuff you do need to be up to date on but yeah. Otherwise, I mean, you, you, you can kind of go in there with a little bit of baseline knowledge and, and still do well. And what, a, so what do you, for people who are wanting to dip your toes, obviously hopping in the badge bros channel in the discord, cause you guys are talking about this stuff around the clock. Is it having a base set of projections? How important is correlation in these other sports relative to football? Because I know even with like the, the full best ball drafts on underdog with, basketball like the positional stuff wasn't as important as it is for for football so i'm curious like for people like me who are interesting in dipping their toes in like what are the things that we need to be aware of i think 
everybody wants that one size fit all answer and it just doesn't exist. It is so slate specific and it's so cliche to Mm -hmm. say it that it's slate specific. It's sports specific. Like even myself with the football, like I've had completely different strategies for different weeks. Like last week I got hyper exploitative with the Josh Allen and Diggs stuff because it was readily available because Josh Allen was all of a sudden you know, a back end pick. And then I was building a large volume of teams and I was just kind of like, well, I'm just going to ape right into that. So I think your strategy for sport to sport and, and whatever it it's determined by how many entries you're willing to put in. It's all a risk tolerance threshold in that regard. So how many entries you plan on, on taking, but then I think you can win both by getting hyper exploitative and just targeting these players on a given week. Whereas other weeks, I don't think that's as viable a strategy. So that fluctuates in slate to slate, sport to sport. And, and as it relates, to, and as it relates to basketball, and you can expand on this as well, Numi. Like you, like you, you grind basketball like like the most out of all of us. Um, mm-hmm. And and Pete, you guys talked, you talked about it with Brick about like to be a professional, like. NBA or like you, you guys were talking about MMA as well to do it on a DFS slate. And, and, it, and it's the same type of grind on, and on, on these streets as well, because we're drafting, you have to be tapped into the news, like crazy hard. Like you have to be able to make those late swaps for like the West coast games where LeBron is a late inactive. Now you're playing yeah. like Kendrick Nunn and then swap, like, like it's insane. Like how much round the clock yeah. tinkering it takes. And then it goes the same with us, except we have a nice cutoff where, you know, like once, once the first game starts, drafts are done. So you can kind of like set back and, and kind of watch, but maybe adjust your swap rankings because we are at the mercy of automated swap rankings. But, um, basketball, definitely it, you really have to be in tune. And then baseball, there is stacking as well. Um, yeah. I think we're, we're the, um, what's interesting with baseball too, just real quick, we didn't have ADP in baseball uh, for like all of the year. half the year. Yeah. Yeah. It was like only <laughs> the, the underdog rankings. And then you, and then like, it was like, Hey, you got to do your own research. And, and if yep. you know, and if you know, you know, and then we got ADP and then that kind of changed things as well. Cause now you can even get more exploitative with the off the chalk stuff because the chalk is so elevated that people are, and, and it's, and it's baseball, like Numi said, it's so event-based. So like yeah. anything like can literally happen. Like the best player can put up a zero that just does not happen in football or basketball. Mm-hmm. Like, and yep. so that, that makes that interesting. But um, Numi, you, like I said, you grind basketball well, a ton. So you so can just the two to things is that ADP thing. We called it the Otani situation where every, every time Shohei Otani would pitch, he would be projected as a zero and he would never be a pitcher on underdog, but he would, he would still hit. You could get um, points for his, you, for you his get hit. points right, for right, his hitting, yeah, yeah. but he would be a zero. So when there was no ADP, I mean, if you were drafting bef- the night before, beforehand, I mean, it was basically like, you know, the, that's when the badges, if you get a no badge room, you can kind of push it and try to see how low you can get. Cause in theory, Shohei would be at first round, second round pick, but you could kind of, but then when we got ADP, and it just, I mean, that's out of the window. Um, he's still, he's still projecting like 10 or something like that. And it would slowly move up. Just the one thing about, about base. Oh no. Um, in terms exploded. of, in terms of, uh, you're back, you're back, you're back. Yeah. Am I back? Yeah. I apologize. I don't know. It does this every single time. So yeah, I probably just missed it. It's one and done. Uh, it's one and done. But in the, yeah, in the correlation thing. So 
with basketball, it's like the only way you really get correlation is like a point, like a basically a point and an assist. So like there's there's not much correlation in bas- the sport of basketball. So like going basically trying to stack teams, it's kind of like the newbie thing we the, normally in, in NBA DFS. It's like you don't really need to do it um, at all because there's just there's really no correlation in it. Versus baseball, you know, the correlation of a batter getting on base, someone hitting them in, like there's correlation to that. So it's obvious like stacking components, same thing with like an NHL and just like your bring backs for, um, for like uh football and whatnot, or just your stacks there. So it just like in, in, in the macro sense of that, just knowing like what you don't really need to stack an NBA going in like that. But um, that's just kind of like the macro sense that I kind of bring into that. So just knowing that you don't really need to full in go, if I got a guy in the first round, I need to bring him back with some random guy, basically like you don't need to sacrifice like that projection at all. What that brings me to my next question. So let's, let's talk about like the football stuff. And John, you were saying how like the edges on each slate, you know, might be different or how you want to approach it as far as what you think your edge is. Like, where do you guys think in general? Cause I know there's a lot of people, we talk a lot about like how efficient and how sharp a lot of the DFS stuff is. This is such a new game format. There's still so little data we have. I mean, you guys are, uh, we have a thread now in the deposit kingdom badge bros channel where you guys are compiling, you know, ADP <laughs> and trying to pull some combinatorial ownership stuff which is very cool but where do you guys think right now the biggest edges are in these battle rounds is it doing drafts early is it hunting for inefficiencies in adp is it going way overweight on a spot like i'm just curious how you guys think people can realize the edge in such a new format um, uh-huh. I'll let I'll let John go first because I, I have we're a, probably yeah. all going to say like the same thing I, I, uh-huh. I feel like yeah. go ahead John I wonder what you're going to say uh, well, I think it's less player take dependent and more giving yourself a path to first place with the players in which you select. And JM came on the show yesterday and painted it like very eloquently when he said that it doesn't matter who you take in the first round because just assume that player succeeds and what else would we need to then happen? And he basically said create an if then statement with your roster that if we happen to get Saquon this week in the first in the first round well then what else do we need from this roster to go to go correctly because if we get Saquon in the first round it's then basically a bet against Justin Jefferson, Stefan Diggs. It's so now let's shape this roster as Saquon's the highest player on the slate. Let's go from there, right? And it's 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 the cliche that you always used to talk about, Pete, about telling a story. That's literally what we're doing. We're li- like as as simplistic and like as like kind of bro science as that advice is. Like, no, no, no. Let's tell a story with each of these rosters, regardless of who we draft with the first pick, right? And I think it's a, one good point about that is everyone always thinks about telling the story with the players you pick, but the players you're not picking are telling exactly. a story. Exactly. as well too and so that's i think a, a good way to think about that as well but uh it sounds like you guys had some other thoughts on that Nez. what were you yeah say? yeah i think so this 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 slate probably not so much of this being the edge but i think crucially like uh the edge is volume it's and because we're drafting in rooms like each room is different it's not like we have the same 36 guys every time that we're picking from and they go in the same order every time like it, it happens where people will post a sick team they drafted, right? Like, oh, check it out. I got Saquon and Josh Allen and Diggs. And, you know, it's, it, it, it you know, it kind of pisses you off a little bit. It's like, well, shit, man. Like, I wish I could have had that. Well, you can have it. And that's like part of what, that's part of 
underdog's business model is 150 max entries. Like if you want like quote unquote, the best shot draft a lot and be ready for when you get that lobby where a guy with the six ADP falls to pick 12 and you're like, well, I'd never get this. And then like, mm-hmm. it's like, well, why do I never get this? And it's like, what changed? Did anything change? You know, of course you kind of have to be, uh, you know, in the, in the know with the news, if there's a reason why a certain guys falling, but the reason I say like maybe not so much this week is because like all the talk has been about how gross this slate is, right? Like it, there's there's no games that, like the, the highest total is Browns Bills 49 and a half, no game over 50, a few games over 45 and a half. So reaching now and like as, as far as like value hunting, being a value hound, it you're sacrificing like less points as you would on a normal slate where like it's absolutely stacked mm-hmm. with studs now it actually makes more sense to like get off the board and like maybe get cute at more than one position rather than like what's been the typical meta which is like get your studs and then mix it up with just one piece uh new what, what what are your what are your thoughts well just from a and this is gonna this is gonna tingle john here when i say from a macro sense of underdog um for me, like the the edge, when I think of an edge, and this is I forget who said it, but it's being the 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 big fish in the small pond, and that kind of resonated with me. Is like if you struggle just with with the reason why we do these these dailies here, if you struggle with DFS, which a lot of people do, I mean it's hard to win. We we understand the GPP. Like you come over here, and Mark just touched on it. How I mean. Getting, we sampled all of this DFS data for how many years? Four years. And someone uh, said that basically like it's still not enough to figure out who's like a good winning mm-hmm. player. This has been going on for what? Like two years we've had full battle royales. Like, and now we're slowly starting to get it. Like we're looking, some people will look at this data and they think it's gospel after just a couple weeks, even just one week. And then they go, oh, we have two years of data. It's like, this is such a new just game environment that we're all figuring out. Like that's the edge to me is that we're all, you're trying to figure it out and together mm-hmm. and it hasn't been, it's the furthest thing from solved, just like best ball. So if you just port over DFS knowledge, it's like, basically to me, it's like you're getting into DFS kind of at the beginning, like this is a brand new game and you can just, I mean, having it be a market and dictating in that sense, you can really get, find your leverage and be exploited there however you want to play. So that that's the, like, guys, sense. like if you you know i i've thought a lot too and it sounds like this dovetails to what jam was saying and i bet you guys agree too as far as like when you look at say on these battle royale slates most of them like maybe you could extend it to 10 players 11 that have like certain ceilings and then everyone else is kind of in a wash beyond that and if you have good adp later in the week have you guys ever just like almost outlined what you want your exposures to be because you could roughly be like I want to build 15 Justin Field stacks and I want to mix and match my Mooney, my Comets, my that, and then like hit those benchmarks. Or do you guys still go into every draft being like, I want to be reactive in case this one guy falls. But my thought is like, yeah, occasionally you'll get a guy who falls, but for the most part, you could pretty much script out the exposures <laughs> that you wanted and then just go in and do those in an almost automated fashion. I do it every week. I build them in Excel first. I go, yeah, I want this build. I want this build. I want that based on ADP. And I go, okay, now I've reached 40 drafts and I have 36 of those builds that I wanted. Yep. Okay. But I'm always wary and reading and reacting to the room because if I get a badgeless room, for instance, and all of a sudden pieces are there that like combinatorially, I do not believe will be there later in the week then I deviate from my plan. So do I have a scripted plan? Yes. Do I have a scripted plan as to targets in which I want to pluck out at certain ADPs? Yes. Do I deviate frequently? Yes. So <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, that makes, yeah, oh, go good. Ahead, 
Uh, no, I was just going to say you have those spots too where you – because like if you have a guy that say even – and I think it's probably more in the first round or second round too, right, where it's like you have this guy who's going at 1-2 and you get him at 1-6, like then I'm way more inclined to take like the 1-7 because a lot of people aren't going to have exactly. that pairing or whatever. <laughs> Whereas when you're going really efficient, that's where I find myself being like, all right, this ADP is by the board. I want to I want to scroll. I want to get a little bit more unique. Whereas like I might just be unique with this one pairing or relatively unique. I, yeah, that's sorry. There's one. I just want to add one point to that because that was something that we talked about on the show yesterday with Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson fell to us when we were drafting at like the 105, and then we had the debate whether we should pair him with CD Lamb uh, coming back around. And my take was we're forfeiting all of our leverage in pairing him with that because that pair would be available from the 103 or the 102 at other intervals. So we have to pair him with an individual who has a thrust up ADP like Justin Fields to then just get a unique combination in this spot. And it just plays to your point there, Pete, that I think that's a very sharp line of thinking, like in terms of like breaking up your draft board and plucking players from this side and this side in terms of ADP, because those combinations are less readily available. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point with, you know, like, like we said, it all comes down to like understanding the value that you're getting at the point in time, like at least for the first couple of rounds. Um, or maybe if you get like a, or like a Mark Andrews in the third, then you should probably pull that trigger as well. I do have tar like, like I have like based on where ADP settles, I have like my player targets and then I have my player like avoids or like my fades. And I don't necessarily set like percentage targets, but I will try to monitor that. Like last week I was so heavy on Amari Cooper, like and that obviously like dusted me. And I, once I got to like 50% Amari Cooper at like 60 drafts, I was like, okay, like let's like, let's chill out a little bit. Like, I think, I think I pretty much got my bases covered there. Uh, obviously that didn't hit. And then like this week for me, like I've been, I've been telling these guys on like every stream, like every moment in the private chats that like, I'm a Steelers fan and I just like, and JM was talking about it. And like, there was a Roto grinder stream talking about it. And um, they're like, everyone's talking about the Bengals and like, you know, they, like, like we want T Higgins, we want Tyler Boyd. And they're like the Steelers defense. Like they're, they're they, they keep harping on like the, the Steelers defense not being good. Well, they didn't have TJ Watt for the entire season. They had him for one week. Well, now two weeks. It's, it's truly a completely different defense when he's on the field. It, it's literally like a completely different team. So, like, 20 I'm, minutes I'm, in, we got Nez talking Steelers already. I had to. I was like, I had how to. Did so, we get to this so, Homer <laughs> So, to me, it's like I see an edge, and like now that like I know the public is like not scared of them at all, like it just makes me want to just like lean even more into that. That like I'm the only one that thinks that I have an edge here. I'm going to try to capitalize on that. So, and that happens every week where I'll see a guy that's like a high in ADP, and I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm, I know that I'm going to be below average on them. But otherwise, I do try to spread my exposures around because I don't want to get too like take locked where like last week I was so convinced Amari Cooper was going to put up 13 point plus a 13 point plus week against the Dolphins and like that dusted me. So I do try to like have a little bit of humility in my in my takes. But um, but but I, I yeah, I don't have like a percentage like target necessarily. It just kind of organically comes out to me being like. 27% uh, Ramondi Stevenson as of right now. So don't even feel great about that. <laughs> have you guys, have you guys seen anyone or have you guys yourself like approached it in the same way you would have like a 150 maxer 
in DFS where they might just be like, I'm just locking this stack and say it's a cheap stack that, you know, you can get routinely in the third and fourth round of every draft. Like, have you guys played a slate like that where you think that's fully your edge? Like I'm just going all in on this stack and I want every possible combo around that. I do it more so with a naked player. I do it more so with like a, a backend one-off or I do it more so um, where it's like, I want to consolidate exposure around that one player. I, I do like to get kind of random with skinny stacks in general. Although the Justin Fields week where I took down the, the bomb with him, I was very exploitative with Justin Fields that week, but I ran him naked. I didn't run him. I ran maybe one or two rosters with Cole Komet, but I ran him naked. So I, I don't think it's as necessary in these contests because with nine roster spots in like DFS, like the, the value of stacking is pretty heavily um, oriented around getting that third piece home. And I don't think that's necessary in these six man rosters where like I do much prefer skinny stacks. So I don't really want to pigeonhole myself to like one skinny stack unless that skinny stack was like last week where like Allen and Diggs was available so much later than it should have been. But I'm not going to do it with like Mariota and Pitts or, you know, something of that magnitude. I will say the one week that I did do it, I ended up winning 10K. So maybe I should try to do it a bit more uh, with well, the. Uh, what was it? That was the hot. That was the week that um, Amon Ra was out, and and the Lions played the the Seahawks, and Jared yeah. Goff went absolutely nuts, and uh, and then Jacobs also went nuts, and that and it was in the 12 man, the goal line stand, and that score in the 12 mans would have taken first in the battle royale. And uh, I try not to think about that too much, but uh, that that's <laughs> clearly <laughs> a new yeah. question because uh, Nez is referencing. So for people who don't know, you know, the battle Royales, those are six rounds, six person drafts, but they also have similar format, except it's six rounds with 12 people drafting. I'm curious, yeah. like, how do you think about the strategic differences? Obviously the 12 person end up being smaller tournaments, but as far as like actual like porting strategy from battle Royales over to those, how do you think about that? So I, I mean, I think about it a little bit like I port DFS where it's so just putting the perspective 51 entrance in the main and 1,100 in the goal line stand. So that 12 man. So in, in like immediately I, I'll stack more um, mm. like I'll, I'll be more willing to get, more pieces from one game um, because you just really don't, you don't need that outlier unless it's, you know, Justin Fields and Cole Komet that just bring it. But like that, like a lot of people are like John, he's more advocate to just do skinnies and to go naked quarterback and like to do that. Cause he sees everyone stacking and doing all. And so, but here it's like, I, I just, I'm always targeting um, a back stack, no matter what. I, I mean, I'm trying to set up a stack. So, and I'm always trying to bring a bring back. So, on all of my goal line stand rosters, regardless if it's, I guess, correct or not, I'm nor I mean, I, I always have a stack and a bring back. So that's mm -hmm. three out of my six roster spots are from one game. And I mean, depending on how, you know, the game environment, what it is, I'd be willing to go another spot on there versus on the battle Royale. We talk about, you know, the six leg parlays and you, what you need to actually hit um, that that's what goes into it for me. And also just what, is available to you in those later rounds is a lot of times a stack component to your quarterback or, mm -hmm. and that's how it kind of plays out too. So John, was that a reference that newbie was kind of hinting at that you think in general people are overstacking? Um, 
I, it's a, that's a loaded question because I don't want to be results oriented with how the chalk's been slapping and how like one-off pieces have been winning like so much through the first couple of weeks. Um, I think in an attempt to get unique, you need to maybe skinny stack and single bring back. But I do think because it's only a six person roster that if we're trying to, let's just use like a isolated example, for instance, uh, let's use, let's use Kyler Murray and like uh, DeAndre Hopkins. If I'm going to run that stack from like last week, like what am I doing by throwing like Rondell Moore in there? Like it makes sense. Like theoretically it makes sense, but like, what's the ceiling of that player? And I think, I think, I think this might even be like a borrowed take. Like I think Herzig might've talked about it on our show at length as well, where it's kind of like, I want to be smartly correlated in terms of like, you know, a quarterback with a pass catcher, if that quarterback requires a pass catcher to get home. So like, let's profile a a player like Joe Burrow, for instance, like I'm more apt to stack Joe Burrow than I am to stack Justin Fields. I think that's a very simplistic common understanding, but I'm much less inclined to double stack than I think the tendencies of the field are currently. Yeah. And I think too, like you use the Rondell Moore example, the thing we always say with DFS is like, you're looking for the bringbacks that can actually speed up the game, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's what, that's you want. You want Justin Fields ripping off a 70 yard TD run and then Tyree kill having an 80 yard TD catch. And all of a sudden then we're just like off to the races, a guy like Rondell Moore, it's less likely that he's going to be do that, mm-hmm. doing that the way he's used. So I, I do think I've found myself just cause it's, it's comforting. It's easy to fall into the stacking, the bring back stuff. And I do think you need to be a little bit more purposeful with it. And that's why it goes back to the thing about scripting out some of your stuff, right? Like you don't mm-hmm. have to act shocked, like in these drafts, like you could know what you want to do heading into it. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, yeah, if, you, if you've never done them and another thing that's, that's, they added the training camp, but you can always look at the ADP in the rankings. So you can go to the rankings tab, pre-look at ADP, check all that out, like download that. And you can, that's how you can just script out the drafts and see how they're going versus you just yeah. jump in there and you're like, Oh, you know, what's, what's going on. So yeah. And I will, will say, you- I will say, I don't think that ADP right, right now based because we've had so much news this week is like fully efficient. Yeah, um, I think mm-hmm. people were so tied yeah. into what ADP solidified at and on like Tuesday that like 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 Josh like Josh Allen is in a dome this week and he's going below Justin Fields like that just like like we we should we should honestly be like throwing some water on our faces at that like and I love Justin Fields I was poking fun of Numi for wanting to like go elsewhere like on the slate like earlier this week but like that was before Allen got the, got the move but like mm-hmm. we should be reacting a little heavier to this and it's just kind of shocking that that we're not and and that's just one example and mark andrews now i think if you click on the mark andrews news tab uh pete i think this is like probably like one of my favorite edges right now today um yeah he is expected to be a game time decision but he but what is like they're burying the lead which is that he was a full participant in practice mm-hmm. today yep. um mm-hmm. so he he's falling like I, I just did like three drafts before this yeah like, of course and uh and he falls to like the third round now. So, you know, j- just like knowing, knowing like that there are these like little edges that I feel have like massive payoffs is, is, is when I should be attacking these heavier when in reality I attack these heavy every week, regardless of whether I think I have a gigantic <laughs> edge or not because I'm a sicko and I'm addicted to this. Um, but, but that's just like some examples of this week. Like I think a lot of people 
are looking for like binary answers, right? They want to know who, yep. like, like they want to know who, who the answers are. And well, right now, like this is just like not efficient. Well, and that's what, I mean, I'm pretty sure we talked about it in the discord hang last week too, about like what would be the efficient one-on-one. And I think if you had zero concerns about Mark Andrews health, like he probably should be the one-on-one because it's yeah. actually a relatively flat tier at quarterback. Like if you go look at aggregated ceiling projections, fields, Hertz, Lamar, and um, who am I forgetting? Allen. Uh, well, actually, the, th- the three non-fields actually have higher ceiling projections. <laughs> and so if that's mm-hmm, the case, right. if I think the onesie is how you separate, and Mark Andrews clearly the only tight end on the slate capable of dropping 30, I mean, he probably should be the 101, right? Yeah, yeah. I think we're going to look back and be like, holy shit. <laughs> this was this was a little yep. silly. But also, <laughs> like, I kind of like two tight end builds this week. We You talked about it on your, on your show with JM. Uh, and and how like salary wise it makes a lot of sense and some of the best game environments have tight ends that have have had like some pretty nice uh results and are in good environments and have been getting like not even just results but just have like good run and and are getting good targets like yeah mark andrews is a separator because kelsey's not on the slate and like waller doesn't exist uh there's actually like past that like like five or six options that I kind of like. And once you get rid of these like awesome wideouts, like I think these like some of the tight ends have like a lot safer floors than than the rest of the wideouts that we're looking at as a flex position. Um like Fryermuth, mm-hmm. I think, has like has been like even with uh Claypool there ha- had good numbers and now Claypool's out and they're going against Cincinnati, who's banged up on defense. That is exciting to me getting commit and Schultz and just kind of like reaching because these ADPs are so low. And if people don't get Andrews, they're waiting, like just leapfrog and, and, and mm-hmm. grab like a Hawk and a Schultz or, you know, or, or, or commit and, and someone else. Like, I'm not saying do it every time, but I certainly think it's, 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 it's uh, possible for this to be what you need this week. And the only thing I would say, my thought on that would be making sure it's a guy preferably that has a little bit of either yards after the catch upside or deep downfield upside. You look at guys like Pitts and Dolchich, you actually have high a dots. Um, you know, the, the Higby double tight end stuff, it's less attractive where it's like on draft yeah. in the full point PPR, he can pay off a cheap salary. It's like, you do really need, if you're flexing a tight end, like what you need a hundred yards in a TD most likely. Maybe, yep. but like, look at, at the wideouts though, like the wideouts below them, like, like so, past past Gabe Davis, these guys are hard sells. Yeah, you know, like they really are. I mean, yeah, it, it's it, they're wideouts and they, you know, they they're more explosive. They have like higher ceilings. I I'm, I acknowledge that. I'm just thinking as far as like tight end uh, or touchdown equity goes. I think you we might want to. Mm-hmm look at the tight end position when it, when you're looking at your flex, when you're looking at your flex spot, um, these are, these aren't necessarily comfortable picks. Well, and I would guess, I mean, tell me what the early data says. Combinatorial Mm. ownership on double tight ends has to be like nil, right? It's less Uh, than 8%. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay. It's, uh, I'll tell you. That's actually higher than I thought it would be. (laughs) Yeah. Same here. Oh, yo, it's it's actually way lower than that now. With 127 drafts in there, it's under 2%. It's 1.18%. So I did yeah. one with like a Viking shootout where I ended up taking like Jefferson, 
um, Hawkinson, and then I threw in Schultz. Like instead of doing like the typical, you know, maybe like Gallup run back or Pollard run back, like I threw in Schultz there. And then I did one with um, with Pitts and Andrews, where with like Mariota, um, you know, thinking just as getting like I kind of had to force a stack there. I was kind of in a in a rock and a hard place, but uh, I, I just I, I'm trying it out. See, yeah, see, seeing where it goes. I'm doing I'm doing a fuck ton of these. Might as well just mix it up. Well, I think in a in a vacuum, like it's a pretty polarizing conversation to have because like a lot of people will tell you you're lighting money on fire from a projection standpoint to take two tight ends in a six person six player build, blah 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 right. ceiling. I think it plays a lot better in like the three person contests for like uh, Monday night, Sunday night, and you're kind of you know taking an exploitative leverage standpoint there by taking two tight ends. I think it could definitely be more viable than people who have come on our show and stuff give it credit. Like I tend to lean in the direction of agreeing with you there, Nez, like where it's like, if I'm looking comparatively to on a very slate specific, like this one, if I'm looking comparatively like WR 20 versus tight end seven, like I think the ceiling of like pairing Andrews and Pitts together probably, probably opens up more than pairing like Tyler Boyd and Chris Olave. I actually, I kind of like Olave this week in a vacuum, but like, but like, you, you know what I mean? Like just from like yeah. a namesake stance standpoint, I can get on board with that. And like the nice thing about tight end is the correlation with quarterback makes like the most slate from a roster or most sense from a roster construction standpoint. And I do like, I mean, I think Andrews is almost like an exception because you're cheating him like a wide receiver anyways. So then yeah, you're just yeah. killing your tight end. And then I think if I were to do it, it probably would be with a game stack where I'm like, yeah, I'm doing exactly. Schultz and Hawkinson or I'm doing even like yeah. Knox and David Njoku. And you're like, this is the game that goes mm. fucking nuts. Exactly. And these guys each score two TDs. Like, is that likely to happen? No. Is it within the range of outcomes? Sure. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that that was really then, like what I was trying to do is just get yeah. unique pieces of games because there's not a lot of sexy games. And now like trying to get unique in those games where everyone is targeting, where I think that like it is going to end up being like some major pieces of those games. Sorry, Shane. No, mm-hmm. just I mean, if, if you get two tight ends that hit that you need, I mean, your path to first is just it's right there for you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just so simple. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So in terms of getting like just flipping the build rocks or construction wise, that is. 100%. I've done it three times out of like my 70 drafts. So it's not like, I'm right, like yeah. it's not, it's not a building block for me at all, but it, it looks good at the time. I was like, yeah, let me go ahead and throw this in there. Uh, yeah. One thing, one thing that just from Pete's uh, question, basically, would you ever just basically if from a 150 max build of just going hyper exploitative from what I've done in my 30 drafts I've done so far, um, I have 15 Lamar Andrews combos. And if they're going to be this gettable, it's like, give me as many as you can and I'll just diversify mm. around it. Because like, it, like you said, Lamar or Andrews to me is a one-on-one. John, I think has felt that way. He's told us like on stream, like it's, it should be Andrew, but you don't take Andrews at one-on-one. You let you get as much value as you can from him, And he's, he's going right. to continue to stay middling around there. So, I mean, and, and for me, it's Mark, uh, it's Mark just telling me that if 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 a pass catcher is doing that, Lamar's bringing him along. So if he's, if Andrews is hitting his ceiling and that ceiling, it's most likely Lamar's hitting it as well. So it's just it's such an easy stack right there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, mm-hmm. I've been getting a Jefferson with them, Diggs with them, Saquon. I haven't got yet, but it seems like you could get that Saquon at one on one, and then get in a room where Andrews and uh, Jackson just fall to that two three turn, and it's the easiest tap of your life. Like. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
Yeah. And I was going to say, oh, go ahead. I was, I was just going to say, like, do a callback. Go ahead, John. Sorry. I apologize. I'm talking no, 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 no. Go, 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 go. My, my callback was like, so we have these like elite quarterbacks here. And like I said, if you're not going to get Justin Fields or like Josh Allen and, and then, and you think that you have a chance to win without them, you really have to tell yourself what's happening in those games that those guys aren't scoring. And then that brings us to some, some picks like David Montgomery down low. I actually yep. am starting to warm up to, to Devin Singletary a lot more. And you can even go with Lamar, like, okay, if Lamar isn't scoring, then it's a Kenyon Drake week. And with Jalen hurts, it's Miles Sanders. Like you really do have to think like, and and with Justin Fields and Josh Allen in these smash spots, if they're on, if they're somehow not hitting, like what's happening in that game if they're not? And so just just like keeping that in mind, like you said. Well, we finally have mm. Allen flipping here uh, mm. in in ADP. I don't know what what are you guys doing here? Are you taking the discount on Fields? I would take Andrews Lamar. So. I, let's do that. And so then my next question to this, because obviously I would love, you know, a one-on-one and then you get Andrews Lamar coming back. Are you guys worried mm-hmm. because their ADPs are so correlated and it's so unlikely that someone's going to take Lamar without Andrews, that this Andrews Lamar pairing without the elite guy at the top is actually going to be pretty frequented? No, I, it's t- Yeah, go ahead. John. Uh, I, I mean, like, uh, it, it, in general, like, yeah, I used to like think that way, like very heavily. But then when I start thinking about like the path to like the path to winning from like different like slots on the board, um, I want exposure in both capacities anyways. So I'm not deterred to start setting up a build from this side of the board to start with it. Because like, what's to say that Miles Sanders doesn't have the exact same score as Saquon Barkley this week, or because running back is very deep this week that like I get less and less scared. And like, we love to think, and we love to assume we know what's going to happen. We love to assume that we know Justin Jefferson is the best wide receiver on this slate. Does he project that way? Yes. Will he be drafted that way? Yes. Will he be the highest scoring one this week? I don't know, 16% of the time. Like, so it, it, I think I would, I I think I used to get timid in that regard. And now I just kind of accept the fact that like, I'm going to keep building around the components in which I want to build around and just do it different and intelligently. Yep. Um, I, to me, it definitely feels like a, a ceiling drop off at wide receiver after Higgins. Yeah. I like Terry a lot, but yeah, yeah, Higgins and Terry. Uh, yeah. I like Higgins, and then one fun part about Terry is, I mean, not that a rookie corner, but uh, the Texans' top corner did just get ruled out in Derek Stingley Jr. So just another mm. depleted. Uh, well, he well, goes. Betty's on it. that dirt on your hand, Numi? Let's see it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we we've all got the. That's your company, man. We all got the fantasy sure. life uh, push notifications on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, you need. Not it. actually affiliated it. with fantasy life, but that's a conversation Sorry. for another day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's. Uh, what what pick do we want to do here? So Gabe has been sold on me and I would go Gabe, but that's just to lock up again. What I think is another wide receiver teardrop. I think those two are. Yeah. I I think, I think Mm -hmm. Gabe is, is definitely undervalued right now. As far as the, the ceilings go with these wideouts, uh, I think taking Gabe in any build makes, makes sense. Even though you are kind of telling yourself Josh Allen's hitting. Well, now we are, hedging that by saying well you know what lamar and lamar and mark are actually going to match that so it's either Mm -hmm. like you're you're either betting on another on these studs failing or you're betting on like you can match it and we are set up in a position where like we can totally match 
do you worry at all? We were kind of talking about like what, what story you're telling. Like we're now telling a story where Gabe has a ceiling game, but the other pieces there aren't getting well, there. Well, I'll counter with this slate is so gross that he doesn't even need a ceiling <laughs> game. He maybe just needs a one tutty, uh, whatever. And like a- Alan, Alan gets there with two, like two touchdowns and it's single Terry getting in a defensive thing. So it's like, I, I, I totally agree with you. It's like, okay, if we're betting on the solo wideout, especially from a, a, like a Josh Allen team, like Josh Allen's definitely getting there. I don't think it definitely says that he has to be getting – they both – Scroll the F down, game. Pete. I think this is uh, – I think I this is like a classic. <laughs> yeah, that's where my mind went. Mine was like Montgomery I, as like the one-off bet against Fields and then yeah. just being like – It's I think it's wild to me under- that – Montgomery. I mean, I get that. I mean, he's, I guess there's, I guess these guys are projecting better than Montgomery, but uh, man, I do still love the leverage off of the fields being a first round pick and all of these. Exactly. Couldn't agree more. Yep. Yeah. We've been talking up that Montgomery since Monday that it's just like, and it I feels like, kind of gross to lean into David Montgomery. You could get gross and go two tight ends, Kyle Pitts, just gonna, slate, and then yeah. and you want to do it? it back. Just put I mean, all the all the edge pieces we've been talking about here. Yeah, I'm into it, man. I mean, it's it's kind of fun. Yeah, I mean, Monty Monty breaks off a nice you know 50 yarder first drive, and then they just got a they got a pass. You know, they won't though, but <laughs> Falcons got yeah, a pass. Other, and this this honestly seems foolproof for Kyle Pitts, man. Like, oh, don't say that, please. <laughs> yeah, there's no there is there's no givens with fucking Kyle Pitts. Now. I know there isn't. I know there isn't. And this is this hat for God's sake, man. It gets the 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 Bears who just like they are they are what we thought the Lions were gonna be like now they're just this awesome offensive fantasy environment and like I don't even think even, not even Kyle Pitts can fail in this environment I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be so confident about that Jeez, that was I a mean, that... very fun draft board there I think uh, conventional wisdom might have strayed us to get um, Amari Cooper with that last pick because yeah. he's still on the board there and wrap Cooper with. Gabe Davis, um, Donovan Peoples Jones. We talked him up a little bit on the show today, like mm-hmm. 70 yards in five out of his last six. Was it 70 yards in five of his last six? And he still hasn't got that, those, te- those touchdowns yet. So if that volume's still there and the usage is still there, you could pick a path there. But I, I, I think you're instantly, I mean, Kyle Pitts' ceiling, is it that different from Amari Cooper? Uh, in the, I, I don't in know. That's- I think it's just a good exercise in general of, I completely agree. My pick that I was going to float was Amari because that was the one that felt comfortable. It felt logical. And then when you really pull back and you ask yourself that exact question, the ceiling conversation, and then you couple that if the ceiling isn't that different and then a double tight end build is going to be that unique. It's just like you you almost would be dumb not to go in that other direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's what makes these conversations so fun though, Pete is like, as soon as we have a bigger, like I always harp on the data sample size because like in, in NFL, we've played a year and a half, basically two years of these contests. And that doesn't even amount to like one month's worth of, worth of NBA slates in terms of like information that we have to like back construct data. So like, yeah, maybe two tight end will look dumb in three years from now, but like maybe it doesn't when you bet on the player archetypes and portfolio that we're suggesting we're betting on in this given build right so in a vacuum is it bad maybe is it is it could it be very viable 
maybe right like it's it's very <laughs> yeah. fun it's very fun to talk through these right and i will say just in general too like with this stuff we talk obviously with the nfl we talk how it's so event-based and there's so much variance mm-hmm. but there is this stuff like if you're willing to roll up your sleeve like the stuff that i'm doing for dfs stuff is like being done by everyone and better by most of the sharps whereas if you're in here looking at this data or you're plotting out or you're just wanting to put in simple ceiling projections next to adp and try to build out your own you know simple optimizer type of thing essentially and build this out like you are light years away of what what the majority <laughs> what like the 99 doing. Yeah. doing like outside of the bath bros discord like it is if you want to roll up your sleeves i do think the edges in these contests are, are very real mm-hmm. yeah i mean to yeah. that point i literally just put an underdog like a, a thing for the ender or the nba contest to have literally ceiling projection to adp that's just my one mm-hmm. thing that i yep. use to find value it's just super easy when it's just on a sheet like that so yeah not not many people are willing to do it so and so i again i've I've been mentioning this on shows we got the badge bros channel in the deposit kingdom discord uh whether you're hopping into basketball doing football it is such a great resource lots of people to bounce ideas off of even just by osmosis just if you're a lurker even reading it you will um pick up on things and then just also having some of the the tools that people are putting together adp you know, aggregation and stuff, really, really valuable stuff. And it's always just a nice reminder of these guys will let you know when these contests open up and you're like, oh yeah, I should go hop in these uh, early (laughs) in the week. And uh, one other thing I've been excited about that we've been doing with these guys is a Discord hang every Friday, super informal, just chilling, doing a few drafts, talking shop, all that good stuff. We're actually going to go do that right now. But uh, anything else on your guys' radar, let people know your your weekly schedule. You guys are streaming. You guys are five days a week, right? Monday through Friday. We're trying. We We're trying. Yep. Yeah. Beast. It's a, it's a, it's a little random right now. We, we aim for that 9 PM or 9 AM Pacific, 12 PM Eastern every single day. But then we try not to overlap with splash play lols and uh herzig on thursday and you on friday so like we kind of like this balancing act when we get guests and stuff but temp temporarily right now we've been aiming for 12 p.m uh uh eastern every every day (laughs) time zones are beating your ass man yeah yeah (laughs) yeah well, make sure you guys are subscribed to the Badge Bros. I got the links down below for their channel, their Twitter. We also got some merch up in the store if you guys want to get your Badge Bro oh, shirts. Is. Yeah, Nez, Nez is. Oh, Nez is, shoot. I didn't even realize. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. yeah there you go. Looking good. We also have a badge one. And uh, as I always say to everyone, if there's uh, other specific things you guys want those on, like a hoodie or a hat, just uh, let me know. Fairly easy to spin that up for you guys. And uh, yeah, we're going to go. Hang in the Discord a little bit. The link down below to uh, the Deposit Kingdom Discord. You'll see the Badge Bros channel in there. But I appreciate you guys jamming uh, with us today. Love what you guys are doing. Love having you guys in the Deposit Kingdom Discord. So for John, for Nez, for Numi, I'm Pete. We'll see you guys uh, in the Discord here.